Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. Welcome to When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast. I am your professional handicap host, and I know my James sounds like Scooter from the Muppets, James Cox. Ah. And on in Transylvania, I think you are in, uh, you'll hear wish. <laughs> our co-host, who is the loudest guy in the room, only when he plays Monster Mash for Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> podcast internet sensation and it's the quite sexy the, the quite sexiest voice on the internet my friend Ooh. yours Brosley how did Dracula treat you sir very uh, very professionally yeah uh, he didn't uh, he I didn't no accusations or allegations against Mr. Dracula um, he, he treated me with nothing but respect he didn't turn you into and, a vampire did he <laughs> I mean, I can't talk about that part oh, of it, okay. but I can oh. say that he treated me with respect, uh-huh. made me feel uh, at home. Oh, okay. um, You know, Isn't I do nice? love playing the Monster Mash on the drums, yeah. uh, but preferably the the Misfits version of it. Yes. Now, there's two versions of that that I believe they recorded. Now, Jerry only does the vocals for both of them, the lead vocals. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, excuse me. It seems like I remember the Misfits doing that whenever Michael Graves was in the band. So that's. And a, I believe if you go on YouTube, yeah, there's like a music video they have where they were. It's like a claymation with a bunch of skeletons yes, or something like I that. I had the actual movie. Um, I forgot oh, yeah. what I forgot what it was. It, it was it was a weird weird claymation movie, you know. But they had that song. Yeah. For, but they had this, that song for a theme on, on that movie, which is great, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's another version of Monster Mash that they did when they did the Project 1950 album. Yeah, that one um, didn't didn't work it for me. You know, I just didn't like that. I love the I, I love the Claymation one, but the but the uh, yeah. 1950 one is not not a good one. I don't think. I don't know. I got gotcha. you. How about you? You do do great. Do you I agree? like it? Um, okay. I like the drums in that. I believe that was when Robo rejoined the band. Ah, okay. Um, and oh, I always liked Robo's drumming. Drumming. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Michael Graves one would have been Doctor Chud playing on that one, but I, I I do like Robo, and uh, if I remember correctly, it was Robo that played drums on that album. Um, but just uh, just it's just fun. I just it it's faster. Then the it kind of starts out the same uh, as the the one from like the '90s with Michael Graves, but it it seems like it's faster. Right. Uh, I just find it fun. It yeah. is a fun one to play. It is. Uh, question: Have yeah. you got Netflix, right? Yes. Have you seen Hubie Halloween? It's a new Adam no. Sandler movie. 
but we oh. watched the trailer for it and yeah. uh we're thinking about watching it because we're running out of halloween movies to watch yes. and uh I, we, we we're thinking about checking that one out have you seen it i saw it last night and it's good but it's worth watching okay. it's just like one time you know it's not like it's not like the do-over it's not like it's not like yeah. Waterboy where you watch it over and over again it's just mm-hmm. like okay i'm one and done it you know yeah um, and it's got all this, Allie, and it's got all this, uh, his his famous friends in there. You know that's been in the past, in the past movies. Yeah, all right with all there. the SNL yeah. cast and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, it's funny. So oh. we're we're I'm a huge horror fan. I love horror movies uh, and Halloween and haunted houses and things like that. But Allie, not so much. Mm. So she she likes a psychological thriller. Okay. And she likes some things with jump scares. She doesn't like gory stuff. Right. And unfortunately, it's hard to find a horror movie that doesn't have something grotesque and uh, bloody and guts everywhere. Yeah. Um, so now there's a few movies that she likes where it may have some stuff like that in there, but she likes the story of it. Um, but we're we're really into The Haunting of Bly Manor right mm. now. Is that um, on Netflix? We're still watching through that. Yeah, on Netflix. Okay, I gotta watch that. Um, I never heard of it. <laughs> it's so it's a it's a follow up to the uh, Haunting of Hill House. Oh, okay. It came out like two years ago, but it's a different story. It's kind of like American Horror Story, where it's uh, the same actors but a different story. Yeah. Um. So each season is based off of a different book. So we've been watching that, um, and uh, we loved Hill House. So when they said they were doing another one we jumped all over that and yeah. uh, we've been watching Bly Manor we're almost done with it but Allie is already in the mood for Christmas mm. um, <laughs> and she has asked and I and listen I'm all for it my my Christmas celebrations start November 1st always okay. has been okay I do that I'm one of those people you know it's like because I, I, I do love Christmas too yeah. but I you know it's like celebrate Christmas November 1st you take one day uh, like a break for Thanksgiving because I love Thanksgiving too. Yeah, but after that, it's straight back to Christmas celebrations <laughs> for me. And we we you know we watch all the cheesy uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. Um, but I told her I was like, if you just if you could just wait for November first, if you, we're almost there, <laughs> yeah. you can make it. Yeah, like just a Come little on. bit. Let's yeah. let's soak up the last little bit of Halloween that we can enjoy yeah. while we can. And um, so we're trying to find some things. I think we came to a, a compromise. That's what a healthy marriage always involves is a, how do you compromise? Mm. So she texted me and she was like, what if we watched a Christmas horror movie? Mm. <laughs> oh, the, like, uh, uh, there, there was one like a uh, Christmas horror movie. That, uh, I forgot what it was. Oh, um, no. Black Christmas. That's one of them. But no, yeah, um, I think we're going to try to watch that. Yeah, but uh, but but this one we have like a, like a monster or something. It's called Krampus. Uh, Krampus, yes. Yeah. Y'all, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we watched watch two Krampus movies oh, before. Okay. I think it was like two years ago. We watched two different Krampus movies, um, and one of them I think was the actual Krampus movie. That one was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, now there's another one called a Christmas Horror Story. Right. And it's kind of like, have you ever seen Trick or Treat? I have. The one with the little, so you know how the, it's like different. That's a great Halloween movie yeah. too. But you know how it's like five different stories, and oh, then it all kind of comes together. Yeah. It's all kind of wrapped up into one big story. Yeah, yeah, that was a great, great movie. Yeah. 
well, that's how a Christmas horror story is. So it's like different stories about like Krampus and like Santa Claus fighting Krampus and just different things like that. And, uh, all involved or all morphs into one story. Oh, um, um, I got one for you. I don't know what it was called, but I, but I know the synopsis. So I'm going to give you, um, you you know, the WCW uh, wrestler, Bill Goldberg. Yes. About he's in he's in the Christmas movie, but instead of being a whole holly jolly time, right? This this cat rides on a on a sleigh with a white buffalo pulling it, right? Instead of right there, <laughs> I'm serious. And he like goes to like you know towns and 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 tosses out presents, you know, and they're like bombs and stuff. So yeah. you 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 to check that. Out. I'm not sure what it's called, but it's a. But I, but I just thought it was funny. Instead of eight reindeer, he gets pulled by one white buffalo. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. But yeah. So you should take take that down and and uh, you and Alec can uh, you know have a good time watching that one probably. We're gonna have know. to check. You're gonna have to check that out. Yeah. <clears throat> I did discover something today, and this is this is music related. I promise. Before we get into our main subject today, but uh, there's a podcast that I like called. Uh, um, oh crap! I'm listening to it right now. What is the? Uh, it's called the Holiday Special Podcast. I love holiday specials of any kind, whether it's a Halloween or Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, for, of like different TV shows that I watched as a kid. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. I always look forward to those. So this guy, <coughs> sorry, I'm choking. Um, Don't die on is, uh, He <coughs> I was choking on my pop tart. Oh, um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on the Holiday Special Podcast. You know, he'll go through all these different specials from TV shows and things. And there's one that he I didn't know even existed until I started listening to it today called Michael Jackson's Halloween. And I'm a, I'm a big Michael Jackson fan. Yeah. And have been for a very long time. Uh, Thriller is probably my favorite uh, like Halloween song, probably one of my favorite songs ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. I didn't know that they had something called Michael Jackson's Halloween. And I think it came out like maybe three or four years ago. And it sounds like it's probably like for kids, but I'm still interested to check it out. So I think, uh, okay, it features so- a lot of his music. It's like an animated thing. And like, uh, you know, it has like his pet chimpanzee that he had bubbles, um, is in it. And Michael Jackson has an appearance in it. And, uh, it's it sounds it sounds like it's for kids, but I'd probably still enjoy it. Yeah. So I have to check that out, and I'll let you know. Oh yeah, uh, I don't know what this is, but it, but it's another Michael Jackson one where um he dresses up like an old man or something, and they go to this mansion. And uh, all I remember is he dressed up like old man. You know how how um, how how actors do. You know they put the makeup on and yeah. It's, it's something with old man and and that's him in the in the costume. And then he yeah. goes in like a haunted mansion or something, and I don't know. I'll have to find. I'll have to find out out for you, and you know, tell you more about it. But um, that yeah. sounds fun. Yeah, and I mean, Halloween's like the, one of the greatest. I don't know why Allie doesn't like it that much. Does she not like she, to be scared or like? She I mean, likes Halloween. She just doesn't like scary movies or oh, haunted houses. Okay. <laughs> so it, a popular term I've come across this year is a uh, spoopy. S P O P, excuse me, S P O O P Y. Yeah. Instead of spooky. Right. And I think 
if I remember correctly, it's something to do with like people who like the Halloween season and they like Halloween themed things without all, all the scary yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. I got yeah. You. I so got she's you. she self identifies as spoopy. I got you. So okay, yeah. uh so episode twenty one is here, y'all. We made it to twenty one. Yeah. So yeah. today we are going to talk about horror movie scores. So what is a score? Hmm. A score is a theme song at the beginning of the movie and sometimes at the end of the movie. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah, yes. whatever the main main theme, the music, yeah. for what you remember it by. So I'm going to tell you a little about the first one. But I'm, I, I, I want you to, to tell this because the next one is my favorite character of all time. But when I was 14 or so, I was terrified of this of this next uh, of this first uh, franchise the horror yeah. icon. Uh, so terrified that I couldn't sleep in the bed alone. I had to sleep with my mom and then, and my mom and, 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 and my mom says, "Now look, this has got to go. You know, yeah, we'll we'll make you a deal. If you can sleep for two weeks without bothering us." One time, <laughs> I'm serious. They they said we'll get you a dog. And guess what? We got a dog. <laughs> Whiskers. Whiskers was awesome. Yeah. So uh, she passed away some time ago, but uh, you know I still love her. But uh, yeah. yeah. So um, why don't you explain this this first horror icon? Oh man. So when it comes to when it comes to big horror franchises. Charles Bernstein's score for Wes Craven's original A Nightmare on Elm Street mm. ooh, is second only to John Carpenter's timeless Halloween theme. So yes, Nightmare on Elm Street terrified me as a child also because of the concept that you cannot go to sleep is such a scary thing. He's gonna, Freddy's going to come kill you in your sleep, so you can't sleep, you got to stay awake. You know what happens when people try to stay awake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people start having all kind of delusions and they start losing their mind uh, and it's not safe. So the concept of that just is such a terror. It's so good. It's so good and it's so scary. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so the one of the things that I, I like about those movies now, now that I'm older and can appreciate them for what they are, is the music of all these movies yes. we're going to talk about today. Yes. Um, the music part of it, that's what sets it apart. That's what, that's part of what makes it so good. Mm-hmm. Um, is if, if it has a character that you recognize easily, um, that you kind of grow to love, even though they're horrible, you know? Right. Um, and then the music that you can identify these movies by. Um, so it, although it may not be as hummable, um, it's it has withstood the test of time, um, and is associated with Freddy Krueger as Carpenter's theme is associated with Michael Myers. Unfortunately, Bernstein only compromised <clears throat> this first film uh, under the recommendation of the of his agent. Charles Bernstein met with Wes Craven and was hired to score his film on Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. On working with Craven, he had this to say. Wes was so easy to work with. He gave me a lot of freedom, but we could discuss ideas and approaches. In many ways, he was an ideal director to communicate with, uh, to communicate with, because he listened well and was open to all ideas. Uh, Bernstein used an, elect- uh, an electric score since the film was so low budget. <clears throat> um, yeah, man, just 
uh, it's so interesting to learn about how these songs come about. Um, and, uh, some of them are very last minute. Some of uh, in this case, you know, it's, it's the budget for the first nightmare on Elm street was not very high. And you can see that, uh, in a lot of the things, even though there's some, there are some practical effects, uh, that is just unbelievable. Like the scene where Johnny Depp gets sucked into the Mm, bed mm. and the blood spews out, you know, that's just like, that's just mind blowing to me. So, I Even will, though it might have been low budget, it was still very well done. I will tell you two things. One about the theme song, uh, they had they nailed this out of the gate because what it is is for those of you who haven't listened to it and you should, it is a lullaby, you know. Yeah, One, absolutely. Two, it's coming for you know, it's like that kind of deal, and that works so, so well. And that works so well with the movie because Freddy can only can only get you while you go to bed. Seems yep. a little bit you as you go to bed, you know, and yep. that's super freaky to me. And it's terrifying, man. Another thing, I don't know if you read this somewhere a long time ago, but there was a guy in one of the uh, foreign countries, I forget which one, um, and he had a similar experience, experience with this. You know, he didn't want to go to bed because he thought somebody was going to get him, and then he, yeah. he stayed up for hours and days and drank coffee and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then yep. one time he went to bed and went to sleep and he never woke up. So. I think that was, I remember that story because I remember that? watching a um, a documentary about the Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, that's where I saw And uh, I think that's where it inspired right. Wes Craven to yeah. write the story. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's just so it's terrifying. Weird, you know? Such yeah. a scary concept. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's so weird that that might have happened, you know. I, I right, know, you know? right. So, and um, you know what I, I I didn't realize until we started doing some research for this, and I was listening to the the main title theme and score from this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember? I think it's been about ten years now. But were you a big uh, Avenged Sevenfold fan? No, I do not like no. that band. You do not like them. Okay, I do not. No. But but it's okay. all good that you do, so I'm not gonna. Yeah, <laughs> I like some. I will say I liked their early stuff, and after their original drummer died, I was not interested in the, the music. Changed a lot after the, their original drummer died. Yeah, sad that he um, died. Yeah. However, the album they released after the death of the Rev, uh, Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater played drums on that album and toured oh. with them. Nice. Um, and uh, so he recorded their follow up. Um, to the, uh, I believe it was the self-titled one with like the white cover and it had the little skull bat yeah, thing on yeah. it. Yeah, um, was it Bat Country or something? Well, it was the one after Bat Country. Okay, okay. And um, you know, I think it was just a self-titled album, if I if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I, the album was called Nightmare. And oh yeah, okay. The, yeah, yeah. I think the the first song on that was the title track, Nightmare. Uh, yeah. So the intro music, the really like creepy sounding, it sounds like a toy box or something, or like the little, uh, I think that's what it's called, little thing, the little music box. Yeah. You, know, you open it up and it's usually got like a ballerina or something dancing around. Right. It sounds very, very, very close to the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street main title theme. That little real, really, it's a, if you listen, if you go to like Amazon Music or uh, Apple Music or anything and look up the original album from the soundtrack from the Nightmare on Elm Street series, the main title, if about a minute into it, that's when that 
main uh, little sequence starts playing and it's very 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 similar to that so i'm sure they use that as inspiration for that whole album yeah um but uh yeah hmm. that's interesting yeah so uh, there was a uh, quite a few movies out with nightmare on so um, on elm street uh so nightmare on elm street one came out in 1984 two came two of revenge came out in 1985 uh nightmare three came out which was called, called dream warriors came out in 1987 nightmare <laughs> four the dream master came out in 1988 nightmare five the dream child lots of dreams which i guess would be mm-hmm. right <laughs> 1989 Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. That was supposed to be the end of the nightmare. Uh, right? That was supposed, supposed to, right? To <laughs> Came out in '91. You will find that that's very occurring with these with these horror icons here. Yeah. Wes Craven's new nightmare. They brought it back in '94. Freddy vs. Jason, 2003. Yes. My favorite movie of all time. That's such a great movie. Yep. And then Nightmare on Elm Street, the reboot, which had a different yeah. Uh, actor rather than uh, Mr. Robert England, which came out in 2010. Do you know who that guy is? It's the guy that played Rorschach on the uh, on the uh, uh, the watch the watcher the Watchman. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I had no idea. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that so cool? Right. I I think I he did a Watchmen, decent man. part, but 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 I don't think they brought him, they 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 were gonna do a Nightmare Before Elm Street two. You know the you know a, after. Yeah, the first, but I don't think they they had very much interest in it. So, yeah, it's so I remember seeing the newest Nightmare on Elm Street in theaters when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't think it was as horrible as other people were making it out to be. Right. But when you've grown to love a franchise because of one main character, right, and like the way Robert England portrayed that he character and made him so iconic it's hard to change nailed, it yeah he, he really nailed it but yeah this next icon you can play oh. any anyone can play him because he's under Absolutely. a mask right my favorite 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 horror icon in the 80s 90s and on um friday the 13th icon yeah. theme music it isn't just creepy isn't just a creepy hiss it's a secret meaning that involved as the slasher s- series killer changed. Right, that's a lot. Uh, scores play a key role in all films, but could argue that they're, they serve an extra purpose in horror movies. The, the music tends to add another element of terror, especially when used to coincide uh, with intense moments, like the shower scene in Psycho. Or oh, yeah. the well-known play melody used in Halloween. Yep. Uh, the first Friday, the 13th score was composed by Harry Manfredi, uh, like John Carpenter with Halloween. Uh, Manfredi w- uh, wanted a simple yet impactful tune. Uh, he decided to go from the early stages only to use music when the killer was on screen, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the in the case of Friday the 13th, which came out in 1980, together with Jason's mother, Mrs. Voorhees. Sorry, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert, right? Yeah, I know, right? If you watch it, if you have more, whatever to watch it now, you know, don't, you know, bother watching it. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> okay, so 
Uh, Manfredi also purposely cut the music, cut out the music during the tense scenes as a way uh, to relax the audience before the killer was struck again. The repetitive sound used for Friday the 13th franchise is often as ka 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 sound. Yeah. Uh, but not that accurate. The theme music created by Manfredi was an actual ki-ki-ki, ma-ma-ma, when, mm-hmm. when Pamela Voorhees revealed as a killer towards the end of the movie. A message came through uh, that she was losing her mind. Uh, she kept reciting the words uh, of herself the words killer, killer mommy, as if she requested from her deceased son. Jason. Yep. The ki-ki-ki sound came from the word kill while ma-ma-ma was used for the word mommy. Uh, Manfredi recorded the sounds in a rhythmic tone in a harsh manner. Uh, an echo was added to the sound to create the final product. And it was great. Uh, well, Jason the Warriors took, took over the killer in Friday the 13th Part 2 and beyond. Manfredi uh, changed his mind of his skeptic tune. Rather than just use the music when Jason was present, he started to use a different approach. Uh, the, the music would play when something was about to happen, almost as a warning to viewers to stay vigilant. The tactic was similar to the approach used in the Jaws franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would also use the full audience by playing the music as red herrings. Mm-hmm. As the franchise went on, the score evolved in some ways to keep viewers on edge of their seats. Even after Manfredi left the franchise for a time ahead of Freddy the thirteenth part seven, I think it's this. The new mm-hmm. new blood I think that's the new blood. The new blood. Uh, his score was so used. When the two thousand nine remake of Friday for Friday the thirteenth was in development, uh, producers Andrew Form and Brad Fuller quickly acquired the rights to Manfredi's score so they could create something similar. They were very aware of the nostalgia of the theme music was important to audience. Uh, yes. You can't kill Jason. I don't know why the people think they can, but uh, yeah, obviously you can't kill Freddy either. So, um, uh, Friday the 13th spawned a TV series, and it yeah. was in the game. I don't know if you played the game Friday the 13th, but that's a great game. You know, I da- so okay. So I got that game for Christmas one year. Um, I think it might have been last year. Um, and I forgot who got it for me. I think my mom might have gotten it for me or anything or something like Thanks, that. I have on my Amazon wish list. Yeah. And uh, I tried to play it, but there was always some type of error that came up. Mm. Um, and I I think I realized after the fact that it wasn't. I don't know. Something was weird. Like, I don't think my PlayStation was technically right for play. It, it was weird. I mm-hmm. never got to play it. I really wanted to. Um, I like the concept of it. Yeah. Uh, where it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, what the games where you can either play the monster or you can play the people hunting the monster. So in right. this, you could either be Jason and hunt the camp counselors, or you could play as the counselors and you're trying to kill Jason. So, or, or, or you're trying to just get out of there, which is, you know, the mm. premise of the game. But right. um, but uh, they were going to do some DLCs, but like like uh, they had a lot of um, Jason skins from you know Friday Part One, Part Two, Part Three. Part, yeah. You know? but see, they were going to do uh, some more download skins like Jason X 
or uh, other stuff, oh. radio registration and stuff. But they couldn't yeah. do that because something happened, and the um, uh, the 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 creator of Jason, um, they didn't tell them what they were doing during the process of making the game. So they said that's that you're cut off. So the, the game is still playable, but there's no DLC. They're just fixing bugs and whatnot, whatever. Man, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. So. Okay, so well, maybe um, I'll I'll see if I will see if I can find some um uh, find it like used or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's um, cool. But uh, yeah, you want me to list off these? Sure. Uh, Please do. Start these with, movies here. Uh, I, I I don't think one and two is under, but they're nineteen eighty and eighty one. I think. Yes. Yeah, so Friday the Thirteenth uh, Part One and Part Two, um, and then uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three was in uh, nineteen eighty two. Uh, the final chapter released in 1984, a new beginning in 1985. <laughs> um, even though a year before it was supposedly the final chapter. Right, yeah. Uh, they always do that. Part six was released in 1986. Part seven, the new blood mm. in 1988. Part eight, Jason takes Manhattan, which is like the funniest one. I think of uh, all my of them. favorite one of all time. Yeah. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, 1989, uh, Jason goes to hell the final Friday mm. in 1993. Um, again, was not the final one. <laughs> and he comes back. Came back in 2002 with Jason X. Uh, and then Freddy versus Jason. Yes. In 2003, monumental movie. Mm. Uh, and then the remake in 2009, uh, just simply titled Friday the 13th, with the guy from Supernatural, uh, Supernatural, um, playing one of the main characters, uh, long-haired dude. I uh, can't remember his name in Supernatural, but he is Dean in the Gilmore Girls because I watched the Gilmore Girls <laughs> with my wife. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, wife. I have no shame. <laughs> Thanks, I have no shame. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, uh, no, but the reason why Jason takes from Hatton to Hatton is my favorite one uh, is because um, it's so hilariously funny, dude. Like, oh, yeah, I, I don't sure. know if you remember, but they, but he was walking down the street and some punks were listening to, to the radio. And Jason <laughs> turned around and takes the mask off and they're like, oh, crap, let's get out of here. <laughs> and and, and uh, there was this one time where, where this boxer thought he could box Jason. And Jason takes one punch and knocks off his head. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's the funniest thing ever, dude. Punches Man, off just the dude's 80s. head. Yeah. Just not to clean off. Without, with with ease, dude. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he's a super, supernatural. Super clean. Yeah, he's a supernatural <laughs> monster. So, I mean, why not, right? Oh, man. I, I love the Friday the 13th film series. I think of of all these that we're talking about today, that he, you know, Jason is probably my favorite one. Yeah. Um, Just an iconic look. Uh, You know, my my mom was a big Friday the 13th fan really? of the the original movies when yeah. they were coming out. You right. know, and I remember I was too scared to watch them when I was little, so she used to just tell me what happened in the movies. And I remember distinctly remember this: riding to school one day, and I asked her to tell me the story of like the first Friday the 13th movie because I was too scared to actually watch it. So she told me, and it took the whole trip. You know, from home, we lived about 20 minutes from the school. It took about 20 minutes for her to tell me the full story. And I remember just getting to school and I was so scared that <laughs> Jason was just going to show up at the school and kill me and murder everyone. Uh, of you, huh? Everybody, everybody, but yeah. obviously did not happen. But still, yeah, yeah. just to show you, that story is very gripping. And then the music that went along with it 
with the whole like that thing just you know learning that it was just the intense echoing of the phrase kill her mommy yeah just kind of using the harshness of that phrase and echoing it just makes it so much more eerie and it's uh you see it used all the time when people talk about Jason. That's one of the first thing that comes out of their mouth. They're like, you know, and I will tell you one thing before we go on to, to the next, um, icon, um, before, uh, Jason burst Brady came out. How about I, I was watching stuff, stuff on YouTube and I saw where, um, uh, Jason and Freddie had a, had a, had a, had a way in, you, you know, you know, kind of like the wow. like 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 the UFC <laughs> fighters going to weigh in. Yeah. For, you know, Jason and Freddie had to weigh in before their movie came. I'm like, oh no, God. Great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still waiting for the follow up. There you go, Freddie versus Jason. Yeah. You know, spoiler spoiler alert. At the end of it, you think Jason won because uh, he's carrying Freddie's severed head, but like he winks or whatever at the camera, and then they never did anything else. Right. So yeah. Well, hopefully they'll bring it back. I don't know. So there was talk. There was talk that they were planning on doing a follow up to Jason, uh, Freddy versus Jason. Um, and this is in that documentary on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Where they both end up in hell oh, and they nice. start fighting each other again in hell. Mm. And then at the end of the movie, uh, the uh, Hellraiser. Like oh. comes up like pops up and it's like <laughs> now it's connected to hellraiser like what? but it oh, they couldn't God. get the license right and they couldn't figure out all the legal crap so they never did it but that was a concept and they that. have concept art that they shared and it was like oh my god that would have been awesome and that would have been good yeah um well i will do this next one here uh next we're going to talk about jaws we need uh, a that bigger boat. A very distinct. Yeah, you're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> um, so another movie that scared the crap out of me when I was a child, mm-hmm. um, and I did not want to swim in the ocean. In fact, to this day, I still don't like swimming in the ocean. I can't swim, so I'm staying away from the ocean. So. Not a fan of swimming. I'd rather be in a pool that's clear and I know what's around me. <laughs> right, exactly. You know. Yeah. So don't put me in the lake. Don't put me in the ocean. I'm good. Right. Um. So John Williams, uh, who, if a lot of you don't know, John Williams is a very, very, not only talented, but widely recognized, even though you might not know his name, you know a lot of his musical scores that he's done for movies. Let me just tell you a few of them. Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Boom. Jaws. Boom. Like, the list goes on. The, the Superman. guy has done... Superman. Superman. Yes. Yeah. Just, like, <laughs> he has done everything. Right. Um, and... Uh, so just incredible. Um, so John Williams composed the film's score, which earned him an Academy Award, his second win, um, and first for his second win and his first for an original score. Um, and he was later ranked in the sixth greatest score by the American Film Institute. The main shark theme is a simple alternating pattern of two notes, variously identified um, as E and F or F and F sharp. Um, so it became a classic piece of, of suspense music synonymous with approaching danger. Williams described the theme as, quote, grinding away at you just as a shark would do, in, uh, instinctual, relentless, and unstoppable. Right. Um, the piece was performed by tuba player Johnny jo- Tommy Johnson, um, which, think about it. How many scary music, scary movies have music that feature a tuba? 
I, I, this one, <laughs> this one that I can do. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, Tommy Johnson. When asked by Johnson why the melody was written in such a high register and not played by the more appropriate French horn, Williams responded that he wanted it to sound a little more threatening. When Williams first demonstrated his idea to Spielberg, who directed the movie, uh, playing just the two notes on a piano, Spielberg said uh, was said to have laughed, thinking that it was a joke. As Williams saw similarities between Jaws and pirate movies, at other points in the score, he evoked pirate music, which he called primal but fun and entertaining. The primal opening notes are developed from the opening foreboding tone of Ravel's Lavals, mm. calling for rapid percussive uh, string playing. The score contains echoes of Lemur by Claude Debussy, as well as Igor Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring. Now, when I was in high school, I took a music class where we learned about like classic composers and things like that. So some of these things are very memorable for me. And I remember us actually talking about John Williams at one point, And we talked about, you know, his work with star Wars and Indiana Jones and stuff. But the jaws theme was a huge subject because it was, it was so simple yet so effective and terrifying. Right. Um, so yeah, to this day, everybody knows it. Dunna, 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 and it gets faster and faster and just, scares the crap out of you <laughs> right. and you don't want to be swimming in a pool and hear that music because no. you're like this is it right <laughs> yeah it's, you're done you know you're done so, the shark get you. now uh jaws one came out in 1975 jaws two 1978 jaws 3d Ooh, ah, yeah. <laughs> in your yeah, face yeah it came out in 1983 and Jaws the Revenge came out I don't know when but I think it's um, I think it's in the 90s I can't, can't uh, it was something now. like that yeah. yeah I can't quite I don't I don't remember seeing that one I think the last one I ever watched was 3D and by that point it was just uh, you're, it wasn't as good it's like, okay so uh, something about that what you, you, what you just said made a lot of sense because they were talking about making the Jaws 5 but then, like yeah. you said, it was all tapped out. Nobody, you know, nobody cared about it right. anymore. So, well, I mean, how how much the how story? Much can you, yeah, how much you, can you, you do can't with, really do a whole lot with that. Yeah. You know, it's just the same. It would be the same thing over and over. It would have to be something very unique that would have to totally change the story. Like somehow Jaws got into fresh water, right? Yeah. Uh, and started attacking people. Yeah. at the lake well, you know i mean it yeah. just wouldn't, how are you gonna do that it's well, see, by that point just whatever there's also many 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 other shark movies that extend from that from jaws because you got yeah. lucy uh or um you got the meg which i've never seen before but i will i will i'm i always wanted yeah. to see it but uh yeah i mean i mean you have like clean shark movies so you don't need to come up with jaws movie right um yeah so yeah so that's a that's the thing to watch. Uh, go back and watch the first Jaws. You can't beat it, you know. Like oh yeah, Quinn. I love Quinn, the uh, the uh, uh, boat captain. You know. Yeah. He, he was the best character, but he died. Spoiler alert! Right. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we thought about doing. Um. So my uh, my work has a employee appreciation party, uh, every year, and. The theme, I think, for this past year was movies from the 70s or maybe just the 70s. Um, I can't quite remember. And one of the excuse me, one of the ideas we had was uh, 
dressing up like something from Jaws. So I was going to have like a shark head and <laughs> Allie was just going to have like a Amity uh, t-shirt or whatever. And uh, I don't know. We, we, we thought about it and then we never really did anything with it. We just didn't dress up at all. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, maybe next year. Yeah, that would be, that would have been great. That would have been cool. Okay, so the next uh, icon, I, I, I guess it was an icon, right? Um, yeah, sure. It uh, surrounds religion, and uh, that's very, a very, very um, tough subject to talk about. Very sensitive yeah. subject to talk about. Mm-hmm. When you add, add add a theme like a, like it is like a horror theme with the religion, it's you know that's that's something very very creepy. Uh, what am yeah. I talking about here? I'm talking about the, the Exorcist. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, Tubular Bells is a debut studio album by English multi-instrument instrumentalist, composer, and songwriter Mike Oldfield. Released on 25 May 1973 as the first album on Virgin Records, Oldfield, who was 19 years old when he recorded it, played almost all the instruments on the uh, on mostly on a mostly instrumental album. The album initially sold slowly, but gained worldwide attention in December 1973 when its opening theme was used for the soundtrack to the horror film Exorcist in 1973. Yep. What is now considered the theme, the theme from The Exorcist, it became very, very popular after the, re- after the film was released. Although Oldfield himself was not impressed with the way his work was used. In 1998, a restored and remastered soundtrack was released by Warner Brothers without tubular bells that included three pieces from Lalo Schifrin, I think. Yeah, I think it's Lalo Schifrin is how you pronounce that. Okay. He rejected the score. Schifrin's working score was rejected by Fredkin. Schifrin had written six minutes of music for the initial film trailer, but audiences were reportedly too scared by by its combination of sights and sounds. Warner Brothers executives told Fredkin to instruct Schifrin to tone it down with softer music, but Fredkin did not relay the message. It, it has became it has been claimed Schifrin later used the the music written for the Exorcist for the Emily Vee Horror great movie great you know great mm-hmm. series, uh, but he, he has denied the, he has denied this in in his interviews. According to the Fear of God, making the, the making of Exorcist on the 25th anniversary DVD release of the film, Fredkin took the tape that Schifrin had recorded. And throw them away in the studio parking lot. No! <laughs> oh my god, dude, just throw them yeah. away, right? Yeah. The pieces are music from the unused trailer, an 11 minute suite from the unused score, and rock ballad unused names. Those were the titles of the, of yeah. the um, music. So, Exorcist has five movies. Um, Exorcist yeah. 1, which was the best one ever. Uh, well, yeah. second best, according to me, I know, I, and I'll tell you why. Uh, 1973, uh, The Heretic, uh, Exorcist 2 came in in 1974, I think. Exorcist yeah. 3 came in in the 90s. 
except since the beginning came out in 2001 and the and Do Dominion prequel to the Exorcist came out in night in 2005. Yeah. Now, I will tell you that I love 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 uh Dominion prequel to the Exorcist. Um, yeah. That had a really really frightening story. Uh the guy that got to play the priest was a, was a well, he played he played um in Good Will Hunting. I'm not sure what his name is, but he played Robert um Robin Williams Robert Williams um uh good friend that you know uh wanted uh goodwill honey uh, uh will to get you know better with math i don't know what it's called but um mm. uh but i but i'm confused and maybe you, you, you can help me okay so dominion prequel to the exorcist is supposed to be the the one before the exorcist right right okay so what is the Exorcist the beginning. What's that? I thought I uh, oh, couldn't. I, yeah, you know, it's like. That's a great question. Yeah. Because I haven't seen that one. Okay. To be honest, I haven't seen any of them except for the original Exorcist movie. Um, I think they did a. Was there a reboot or like a, a remake of. Or are they working on that? Something like that. Um, I don't if know. it's not, yeah, I think they're currently making a, a remake of the original movie. Okay. Um, but you know, there was a show that came out and I don't think it's, it lasted very long, but it looked very promising. I went to a convention. I went to soda city comic con with my buddy Robert. Mm -hmm. And I remember they had like a, a like private screening of like the first, episode or something of the um or maybe like first 15 minutes or whatever of the the pilot episode for the exorcist tv show and it was like it took place in um mexico i think and yeah. i don't know if it was meant to be a prequel or just more of a modern i can't remember what time frame it was set in but it looked pretty promising and i remember i I've seen The Exorcist. It's been so long, but that was just one of those things. My mom did not want us to watch The Exorcist. Just like <laughs> did not want to invite evil forces <laughs> evil into the house. Right. So yeah, yeah. Not like a, she was not a fan of that. Yeah, yeah. But the music helped. It, it just it's crazy to me that it wasn't written for that, but it was just it fit so well, and people remember those those movies so well. Right. And the music that came from it, because and like so many things surrounding that 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 movie, uh, like the uh, the curse that the movie had on it, and just oh man, just so many people died that were involved with the filming of it, and um, it's very it's very very strange. If right. you if you ever look up the history of The Exorcist and everything that went on with it, it's just so scary. But it's so crazy to me that there was no music that was. The, the main title wasn't even intended for that. It would just happen to be something that they used from a totally different album of a kid who was 19 years old. Right. That mm -hmm. recorded it and was just released this like prog rock album. Yeah. And, uh, it just went on to be something that was so iconic. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I'll take this next, this next one, this honorable mention that we'll throw in here just because I love this film series. I don't know if you're a big fan of the Saw franchise. I was, but I got tired, you know, during the end of it. That's usually how Every, it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Saw had such a memorable theme song for me that I can always pick out, you know, it's just so creepy. Um, but the song is actually called Hello Zep. Uh, so Hello Zep is a piece of, 
uh, incidental music that was composed by Charlie Clouser for the first installment in the Saw film series. The piece's appearance in the film was uh, was timed to bring a dramatic tone to the end of the film, spoiler alert, mm. in which Zepp Pendle is revealed to actually be a victim of the real antagonist, the Jigsaw Killer. Um, so uh, as the series continued, the piece was reused in all the films, often being renamed and remixed to accommodate to the changing situations and characters in each film. The song, which is written in the key of D minor, is now the theme of the entire series. So and it's gonna... big reveal. If you haven't seen Saul, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it for you. <laughs> you probably have seen it, though. Yeah. What I loved about that movie is the whole time you think you've got it figured out who the killer is. There's this dead body that's been laying on the ground in the in the bathroom floor of the our two main characters. Um, and then it's revealed that he's not dead, actually, at all. The guy stands up. Uh, he's revealed to be the actual killer. He just, like, lowered his heart rate and has been knocked out unconscious for hours on end to appear dead. Right. Um and the song that starts playing just stuck with me, man, because that was such a huge moment. That's one of the few movies I've ever seen that truly just blew my mind and left my, left me just kind of sitting there like, oh, my God. Right. And uh, the song starts playing. And like I every time I hear that song, I think about that scene where. Yeah jigsaw stands up and he's like got the fake blood all over him and he just pulls it off and he's like the key to that uh the key to that lock is in the bathtub yeah. and then they show you they remind you that the guy pulled the drain and the t went the the key went down the drain at the very beginning of the movie so he's there's no hope for him and uh that song stuck man just oh perfect well see it it is it, a it, uh, it came came to my um uh fruition that uh that uh, Jigsaw is not doing this, not killing people for fun. He's killing people who doesn't implicate yeah. life. You know, he's actually not a serial killer. No, he's yeah, he's, he's ever not, he's never actually killed anyone. No. Um, he's you let them kill them, themselves. You know, or kill he them. lets them decide whether they live or die. Right. So you can yeah. live in any of his traps if you are willing to sacrifice something. Is basically right. that's whether, why I love whether it's those, a finger or a, or a thumb right. or a leg or, or you know the leg. He could, the the guy the, the guy in the first Saw movie cut off his leg to get out. So yeah, he sacrificed yeah. his leg. So yeah, that's right. So, okay, so our last uh, thing, Woo. if we have time. Um, yeah, we got we got time. Okay, good. Okay, so uh, this is our. One of the most famous, famous, famous uh, Halloween movies. It's called Ooh. Halloween, right? Ah, I'm shocked. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> right. So everybody knows who who this uh, Michael Myers guy is, right? Sometimes he's known as as the Sheep, and sometimes he's mm-hmm. just known as Michael. You know. So yeah. Lacking a symphonic soundtrack, the theme is written in a rare five-four time signature. Director yeah, John, very rare. Right. Director John Carpenter composed the simple, chilling music as is, as, as it was the first thing his father had taught him how to play on the piano. Carpenter, right? Carpenter, admitting that the music was inspired by, by, both by both the, the Dario uh, Argento Sapria. Suspiria. Suspiria. Um, I've never seen that movie. Uh, oh, I heard okay. that the original is very scary, and the remake is equally as as terrifying. But I've never seen them. I've never heard of that movie, so I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Which also influenced the film, the film slightly surreal color scheme, and what, what and William Friedkin, uh, The Exorcist, 
Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, it took Carpenter three days to compose the entire score of the film, for the film. Wow, that's pretty fast. Uh, yeah. In addition to the film's critical and commercial success, Carpenter's self-composed Halloween theme became recognizable apart from the film. Uh, critic James James somebody uh, calls the score relatively simple and unsophisticated. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but but a man jerk. <laughs> but he, I mean, he is a critic, so come on now. Um, they're all jerks, right? <laughs> but admits that the Halloween musical score is one of the strongest assets. Yeah. Carpenter stated in the interview, "I can play just about any keyboard, but I can't read or write note. Write a note." Hmm, that's, that's weird. That wasn't, but many people can't do that. Right. Um, in the end credits, Carpenter bills himself as Bowling Green uh, Philharmonic Orchestra. There you go. I thought that was so funny because, like, he definitely didn't get a whole orchestra to do that no, thing. It, he no. did everything himself. Right. So in the credits of the so, original, it's not, you know, just John Carpenter. It's Bowling Green Philharmonic <laughs> Orchestra. <laughs> so he made a, made a whole orchestra from scratch, right? That's awesome. You're right. Uh, for performing the film score, but he did receive assistance from composer Dan Wyman, a music professor at someone has San Jose State University. Wow. Wow, okay, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the the theme song speaks so strongly to what a good movie score does. When you think about the most iconic movie scores ever, Star Wars, The Godfather, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, they have inherited from the stage traditions of ballads, of ballets, operas, and, and, and musicals a, a mandate to work on two levels. First, they must support the story that is being told on stage or in some cases on screen. Second, they must tell a story in and of themselves to be engaged and understood away from the mediums that they support. The Halloween theme in all, in all its simplicity accomplishes both. It, it gives one a sense of something dangerous, something evil, uh, is wanting to to pounce, and it also a sense of the dread and waiting for evil to arrive. And when that is mixed with the glorious frontier of Halloween's unstoppable killer, Michael Myers, Viola, the iconic movie and the iconic song is what it, it was born with that whole premise of the whole Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. So everybody knows the Halloween theme. Um, it's it is without a doubt the most recognizable uh, theme song from just about any movie, uh, and it's it, some people can't listen to it. Some people just cannot. I, I know people personally who wants it turned off if it starts playing because those movies are so iconic and scary. It's actually uh, very, very, very terrifying. You know. Yeah, uh, it, it absolutely is because it he doesn't have supernatural powers. He's just a disturbed, very strong and almost invincible serial killer. So and the idea of a baby, you know, originally they were going to be called the babysitter, the babysitter murders um, before they changed it to just Halloween. Um, so the concept of like just watching someone's kid 
and now you've got a serial killer that's after you and you're you're having to watch out for these kids that are not your own right. uh that's terrifying too so the music just set the pace for how iconic that series would go on to be and was used very well and even rob zombies halloween movies he used that same score and just it just it's perfect man i think during the during the uh continuance of the series he became a supernatural person because if i remember correctly uh and Halloween issue or resurrection he got electrocuted i don't know anybody yeah, who, right. who, who survives being electrocuted with full force like electric boxes, you know, being it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So I think he started out as a normal, you know, disturbed human being, just like you said. Yeah. And gradually he became supernatural. Right. He always comes back. So, uh, okay. So uh, Halloween one came out in 1978. Two came out in 81. Three season in which we will not talk about. <laughs> came yeah. out in 1982 because that did not have Michael Myers in it at all. Uh, I don't a, understand just, why that movie got made. This is not a witch. I don't understand. But yeah. they brought him back in four. The Return of Michael Myers. Ooh. Title is you know, title is spot on. The Return, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 1988, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Halloween Five came out in 1989. Halloween: The Curse <laughs> of Michael Myers. 95. H2O came out in 1998. That's a big gap between 95 and 98. Yeah. Um, Resurrection came out in 2002. Halloween Rob Zombie's version came out in 2007. And so good. Halloween 2, uh, the 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 um, sequel from Rob Zombie came out in 2009. Halloween yeah. they rebooted it and came out in 2018. And did you see that one? I did. It sucked. Don't go see it. <laughs> it really, really... Uh, how many times can you bring back a... a well, I, okay, well, you, I, obviously you can bring back, you know... But it's just like... But you know they filmed that in Charleston. They did. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Wow. And okay. they're currently filming uh, the follow-up yes. to oh, that as well. Halloween Kills, which comes out Halloween in Kills. 2021, which is next yeah. year. Um, and then... We um there was a slight uh like a like a giveaway you know it's Halloween ends which comes out we don't know when it's gonna end yeah I heard something about that we don't know if it's gonna end you know so. yeah I don't think these movies will ever truly end I think it's too much of a cash grab right you know they're they're not gonna lose they'll go a little while but uh, ultimately they'll they'll bring these characters back because they're so iconic right um, because their music is so iconic. <clears throat> These these things will live on for eternity. Yeah. I guarantee. Right, and uh, and you know, and uh, and people can play these characters because they, they they wear masks. Right. So, so and I know right. like a few people played uh, um, Michael, and a few people played Jason. Um, yeah. The most noted person to play Jason was Kane Hodder. Kane he's Hodder. The most, yeah. He's the most famous Jason to play him. But I will tell you this, just for the sake of telling you, I I know I know you know. But you know, um, maybe, maybe your fans don't know. No, uh, the Halloween mask was created from uh, a mold from uh, William um, William Shatner. Shatner, thank you. Shatner, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I mean, that's pretty cool. I, I, you know, I don't know the whole story behind it, but I think it's very it, 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 it's it's very cool. Cool that um, he's uh, yeah. he's in the movie, not you know 
physically, but you know, with, with the mask yeah. and everything. Yeah. So that's right. Yeah. So. It's so great, man. Yeah. So. Well, cool. We did it. Yeah, we did it. That was episode twenty-one, and yeah. yeah so, um, where can people find you at, like? Oh well, you can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Blake underscore Mosley M O S E L E Y. Um, you can follow me on those things. You can also check out the other podcast that I'm on with my brother-in-law Brian. Uh, it's called Not Religious. Available wherever you get your podcasts and uh we still don't know what happened to our mysterious just to stick with the spooky Ooh, theme here yeah. we still don't know what happened with those episodes i have slowly been going in and uh re-uploading them um so just slowly but surely getting things back on track it just sucks because it just disappeared we don't know what happened so mm, that's weird. oh well so uh you can find when we speak on um itunes I'm not, not iTunes. Well, yeah, iTunes. And, you know, yeah, iTunes. we're on iTunes. Yeah, we're on iTunes. Okay, <laughs> so you can find us on Facebook on WWFMS Podcast, Twitter, when words fail, MS, and you can contact us from, from email at when, oh. when words fail podcast at gmail.com. There you go. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Well, it's all good, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, uh, yeah, so thank you very much for watching. For watching. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Uh, we will be back with episode 22 next next uh, Monday. Um, yeah. we, we have an interview coming up this Thursday. I think it's Thursday. It could be Wednesday. Um, so be sure to, to uh, listen to that one. So. For sure. Thank you all. See you all later. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more and thank you for listening.